welcome to Authentic Shameless Self Podcast. I am your host, Deja Monet, and today we are talking about shameless anxiety. Keep in mind that on Authentic Shameless Self Podcast, we discuss anything and everything shamelessly, and all we're doing is learning and growing together. So, let me start off by saying there are a lot of different anxiety disorders and anxiety I guess I'll say uh, categories that I previously was not aware of so I definitely learned a lot doing my own research before doing this podcast for y'all and um yeah I hope that I can tell you a little something, teach you a little something that maybe you didn't know because there was a whole lot that I didn't know, but I'm about to break it down for y'all. Let me give you these facts. According to the American Psychiatric Association, in any given year, the estimated percent of adults within the United States have approximately 8 to 12 percent of a specific phobia. 7% of adults in the U.S. have a social anxiety disorder. Anywhere from 2 to 3% of adults in the U.S. have panic disorders. Anywhere from 1 to 2.9% of adolescents and adults have apogorphobia. And I probably butchered that, but yeah. A-G-O-R-A phobia. That's, yeah, please, please pronunciate that for me in your head. (laughs) 2% of adults in the U.S. have generalized anxiety disorder and anywhere from 0.9 to 1.9% have separation anxiety disorder. Also, women are more likely than men to experience any of the aforementioned anxiety disorders. So, let's break down some of these categories. According to the National Institute of Mental Health, which is an institution in the United States, there are a few different categories of anxieties. One is generalized, you have panic, phobia related, separation, obsessive-compulsive, post-traumatic stress, as well as social. So let's get into generalized. People with generalized anxiety disorder display excessive anxiety or worry for most days for almost six months. I will give you my opinion on this in the next section, but let's stick with the facts according to National Institute of Mental Health. So, within this time frame, an individual can worry about a number of things, from their personal health, to their work life, to social interactions with people around them, to their everyday routine. And symptoms include restlessness, on edge, easily fatigued, having difficulty concentrating, being irritable, having muscle tension, difficulty controlling their feelings of worry, 
also sleep problems or difficulty falling asleep, staying asleep, again, restlessness, or just overall unsatisfying sleep. So you can go to sleep for eight hours, but you're still waking up or getting up, you know, the next morning feeling like you only slept for one hour. That is generalized anxiety. Let's jump into what most people refer to as OCD, which actually means obsessive compulsive disorder. This is an anxiety disorder that is characterized by recurrent unwanted thoughts or obsessions and repetitive behaviors, such as hand washing, counting, checking, cleaning, as a hope to prevent thoughts or to make those thoughts go away. And so performing these acts are supposed to provide relief to whatever the thoughts are that you're trying to get away from. Interesting. Let's talk about panic disorder. People with panic disorder have recurrent unexpected panic attacks. And these attacks can occur unexpectedly and they can be triggered by any object or situation that causes fear. So during a panic attack, people may experience heart palpitations, sweating, trembling, or shaking, sensations of shortness of breath, feeling like they're being smothered or choked, feeling like they are like doomed and it's inevitable, or feeling like nothing is in their control, including themselves. So people with panic disorders often worry about when the next attack will happen or they worry about like they they spend an excessive amount of time trying to avoid the situation or the objects, you know, let's bring in our nouns, person, places or things that may make them feel fear. They avoid that, like, at all costs. And within that, apparently, this can cause a development of agoraphobia, which is the word I earlier could not pronunciate for my life's sake. Huh. So now that I just said that word, I think appropriately, let's define what agoraphobia means. Agoraphobia is people that have an intense fear of two or more things. And that can include public transportation, open spaces, enclosed spaces, crowds, or being outside of your house by yourself. And apparently, in the most severe form, of agoraphobia an individual just doesn't leave home like that is their utmost safe space and they just don't leave home and there's actually a movie that comes to mind when I read back on this information now it's called everything everything with Yara Shahidi love her by the way and um yeah her mom like had her house ridden like housebound for a number of years. Oh my gosh, it's so sad actually thinking about it. But great movie, check it out. 
that is definitely something that I would attribute to agoraphobia, excuse me, now that I'm thinking about that movie and thinking about the in-depth definition of what it is. But moving on, let's talk about phobia-related disorders, as it states. A phobia is an intense fear or aversion to specific objects or situations. Some people have a phobia of heights. Some people have a phobia of animals. Some people have a phobia of whatever put in the blank space of fear of blank. It can be considered a phobia. But the difference between a phobia a phobia, excuse me, and a fear is that it may be an irrational or excessive worry about an interaction or encounter with said fear. The person takes active steps to avoid the feared object or situation at all costs, and it creates immediate intense anxiety when they come across this object or situation intense anxiety so phobias are real for real but I, I definitely think there's levels but i'm getting into opinions so let's keep on these stacks now we're going to talk about post-traumatic stress disorder this is ob- mostly attributed to people in the military We often hear about people coming home from war or deployments. They have post-traumatic stress disorder. But this also just happens for any other type of person, any other type of person with any profession in which they have experienced an event that was terrifying to them. They had to encounter a physical or mental harm. So it's a traumatic event that can include a violent, natural, or human-caused disaster or accidents, so on and so forth. Lastly, actually not lastly, we have two more. Social anxiety disorder is people with social anxiety have a general intense fear or anxiety towards social or performance situations. So they worry that actions or behaviors associated with their anxiety will be negatively evaluated by others, leading them to feel embarrassed. Lastly, separation anxiety disorder. It's thought that only children deal with this. However, adults can deal with this as well. And it's that these individuals have fears about being away from people whom they are attached to. Now that we know what different type of anxieties exist, let me go ahead and give you one last, one last definition before I give you my unpopular opinion. And that is the definition of disorder, which is a state of confusion. Now, in this instance, we're talking about mental disorders, so to speak, even though it's anxiety to me is excessive fear or worry of 
any person, place, or thing. But with mental disorders, it's a wide range of conditions that affect your mood, your thinking, and your behavior. While there are many mental disorders that I didn't even discuss because we're staying focused on anxiety, I find it very interesting that associations and organizations such as the National Institute of Mental Health categorize or title all of these anxieties as disorders. Panic disorder, phobia-related disorders. So a state of confusion. But in actuality, if somebody is afraid of heights, they can more than likely tell you why they are afraid of heights. So does that really mean that they're in a state of confusion? If they can tell you rationally to them why they are afraid of heights, like that doesn't really sound like they're confused to me. That just sounds like they're not with it. That's just my opinion. So at what point does fear and worry become anxiety. The National Institute of Mental Health gave a time frame of six months, at least, at a minimum. But why six months? If somebody has an ex- excessive fear of, I don't know, spiders, to where like they lived in their house, they saw a spider and then decided to be homeless afterwards because the spider was inhabiting their space. Like, okay, yeah, that's kind of excessive, especially if you live in like a five bedroom, 3000 square foot house, like you really just gonna let that spider like pay pay your, your rent? Come on. Yes, that's excessive. But if that happened in less than six months, does that mean that that individual does not have an anxiety disorder towards spiders? Like, I don't really see where the time frame comes from. Again, that's just my opinion. I think it's interesting, though, that separation anxiety was initially attributed to really only children dealing with this. But we know that. What we experience as children definitely goes into how we conduct ourselves, live our lives as adults. I think that's really interesting that this was separation anxiety was initially just a diagnosis given to children. What I didn't see a lot of in any of these different anxieties, because, you know, I really don't want to call these disorders. I'm now going to refer to all of these different categories, obsessive compulsive, panic, phobia related, separation. I'm just going to call them anxieties because like I said, to the individual, they may not be confused as to why they are this way. And if that is what a disorder is, a state of confusion, then I don't necessarily agree in automatically titling any anxiety as a disorder. So that's just something I decided right here, right now, that I'm gonna do. But in any regard, I I find it quite interesting. Let's get into, it went a little something like this. Back in the day, not so long ago, like last week, I just thought about how I really have not been keeping in touch with my loved ones. Why? I've been in a little bubble. And there's nothing wrong with that unplugging and readjusting 
and then replugging later on. I don't think there is, but I'm also like that after having people in my space for any certain amount of time. I can't even say extended. For example, after I don't know, spending a week at a best friend's house, you know, for vacation or whatever have you, I'm like thoroughly excited to get back to my house and get back to my bed. Thoroughly excited. And usually I feel socially spent after spending any certain amount of time with any certain person just because that social interaction can be sometimes exhausting after a while just because it's so many emotions and conversations and I like to think of myself as an empath although I don't really have any um facts or evidence of that but just you know I take on a lot of emotions from the people around me and um yeah so after continuous interactions that like just don't stop until I go to sleep it could be it could be pretty tiring so does that mean to a certain extent after a certain period of time I have a social anxiety to get back to my own space and my alone time I don't know I wouldn't really say that I don't think I would have a social anxiety but maybe an actual professional would say otherwise and yeah I've spit all these these facts that are not mine by any long shot and some opinions some may be um unpopular but I guess I should have started this conversation with stating I am in no way a professional psychologist or doctor or counselor or anything but these are the facts given to the given to us by the World Wide Web. You know, I'm just picking on it a bit. The statistics of people, adults in the United States alone that have these different anxieties. I can't say it was really surprising. I didn't think it was that much, honestly. But I would really want to know further the amount of adults that were quote unquote within this study when we get to these percentages. For example, we're talking about people with panic anxiety, 2% to 3%, but if it was only, I don't know, 25 people that were within this study, is that really an accurate representation of all United States adults? I would say no. But anyways, do any of these anxieties feel familiar to you? Did you learn anything? I know I did. But let me leave you with a challenge. And this challenge is when you're feeling restless or worried or you feel tension in your body or you are just downright anxious like ask yourself why why you feel that way what it is about the situation and I wouldn't even say look at what is in front of you because a lot of times I think people look at what they can see and they blame that thing I 
see the spider, so I am afraid. But what is it about the spider that gives you fear? Is it because you think you're going to be bit and turn into Spider-Man? Is it because you woke up one time when you were five and had a spider on your face? Like, what is it about the spider that makes your skin crawl and makes you want to run? When all adults that I know of, or even children, are 50 times bigger than most spiders anywhere in the world. So yeah, that's my challenge to you. If you do deal with any type of anxiety, try to dig deeper in why that anxiety exists for you. Talk about it to yourself. Think about it for yourself. Write it down for yourself and just ask yourself, why does this bother me? And with that, I'll leave y'all to the next episode. Until then, much love.